You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! All right, Jersey Joe, once again, you've joined us here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. you become quite the fan favorite of a lot of my listeners. They like they like to listen to you speak, whether it's on your own podcast or on here. So I felt like it was appropriate <laughs> to have you come on again as we're doing another preview. We just did um, our NHL preview, which obviously a lot of people seem to like. Uh, certainly a lot of Kraken fans seem to enjoy how you feel, how you, you know, how you look at how you think this season is going to go. But today specifically, because this obviously is the Devil's State of Mind podcast, we are going to be doing a not necessarily quick, but a pretty self-explanatory um, preview of just the Devils. Because yesterday, like all the teams in the NHL, we got word as to the official roster for the team. There's a couple of surprises, and mostly I would say things that we kind of expected. You and I, Joe, have talked about it in the past, what we kind of thought was going to happen and kind of go from there. So let's... Let's start right away with this. So again, for those of you that don't know, here's the official roster for the Devils going into Friday's game against the Blackhawks. Now, this roster could change depending on where players are throughout the rest of the week. Uh, so the forward group is Andreas Janssen, Yegor Sharangovich, Pavel Zaka, Jesper Brett, Tomas Tatar, Nico Hischier. The biggest, well, not surprise, but obviously the guy that a lot of people were hoping would make the roster, Dawson Mercer. Freddie mm. Gauthier, who I believe also today was just, uh, he just passed through waivers and I think is being sent down to Utica, but I'm not entirely mm. sure. Marion Studenich, who I think was definitely a surprise. The only person of the PTO contracts that we signed, Jimmy VC, Michael McLeod, Yanni Kwokinen, and obviously Jack Hughes. And that's the Ford group. Defense, the, the, the defenseman um, group, Colton White, Mason Geertsen, Christian Jaros, Dougie Hamilton, Jonas Siegenthaler, Ryan Graves, and P.K. Subban. And then the goaltending um, trio is Mackenzie Blackwood, Scott Wedgwood, 
and Jonathan Bernier. Now, the Devils also put at the bottom, you know, talking about the roster, injured preserve, eligible to be activated prior to Friday night's game. Tyce Thompson, Ty Smith, Damon Severson, and Miles Wood. So, Joe, right away, first question, does this roster surprise you at all? Not a whole lot. I mean, the only thing that they're really missing is Alexander Holtz. That's the only mm. thing that's missing. Now, see, that's a good that, – that, I'm really glad you brought that up because obviously that's a main focal point that a lot of Devils fans have talked about over the last 24 hours. And I feel like the, it, the Devils community is kind of split in half where there's the half of us that really, really were hoping and are obviously upset or disappointed that Holtz isn't here uh, to start the season. And then there's the half of us that obviously understand and can see why he didn't make the team. Um, for you, Joe, because I'll just speak for myself really quickly. I think the Devils, in a way, made the smartest decision because they want Holtz to get top six minutes and you know power play minutes, and he wasn't going to get that right away here in New Jersey. Um, what is your opinion of that decision to have Holtz go to Utica instead of starting with the Devils this season? Well, the opinion I have is that you know, he really performed well, but I don't think he performed well enough to earn those top six minutes at the NHL level. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's on the fast track to get himself on the call-up list. Yes, um, he is a finisher. And if something were to happen, barring COVID or whatever, he's going to get the chance to be called up very quickly. Mm -hmm. And he has a really good, reliable uh, former NHL coach and Kevin Deneen coaching him in Utica. Yeah, Kevin Deneen is a guy that I think a lot of Devils fans are really excited that they hired to be the new head coach of our minor league team, the Utica Comets, uh, a guy who brings a, a very, very good pedigree, not only as a player, but obviously as a coach as well. And I think that also, you know, Holtz does have a little bit of a relationship with Kevin Deneen because he was the coach of the prospect team when they played in the prospects challenge a couple weeks back. So, yeah, I mean, looking at it from Dawson, uh, excuse me, Alexander Holtz's perspective, it is a little bit disappointing that he's not on the roster. I think you look at some of the other guys that performed in the preseason and Merce, um, Holtz actually ended up, I think he ended up either tied or he led the Devils in points throughout the preseason. So it, it looked like to me that he was on the fast track to making this uh, roster, but especially two days ago, I think it was on Sunday or Saturday when they had a practice. Um, he was on the fifth line and wasn't even getting power play minutes in practice. So I think that was kind of the, the, the sign that he probably wasn't going to make the roster. And we found out that Holtz was going to Utica around, I want to say like 10 o'clock in the morning yesterday on Monday. Mm. Um, so we already kind of knew. Uh, there's some other names that we're going to talk about but obviously the next guy i want to talk about with you joe is dawson mercer i mean let's face it Oof. from the time he got to new jersey for the prospects challenge until now he has been arguably the most consistent the the, the guy who has stood out the most um kind of a two-part question for you joe number one are you surprised at all that mercer made the team and number two where do you see <coughs> him like really fitting um, on this roster and what he can bring to the Devils this season? All right, so first off, am I surprised? No. I am absolutely for Dawson Mercer. He has been a huge blessing through the Taylor Hall trade package. <laughs> and that for those trade that are not, um, for, who are not watching this, uh, uh, 
Joe's got a old Reebok jersey of Taylor Hall that he's uh, sporting right now. And it's and if you looked at, let me pimp a little bit of uh, Steve Dangle there. That trade tree is still going because mm. he and Kevin Ball are all part of that Arizona trade. And right. we got something going with Mercer, and he played very well. A 200-foot game was secure to me. And when you mm-hmm. look at him in his first World Juniors, yep. he was a pest against the Germans, mm-hmm. even the Austrians, and maybe the Slovaks. And mm-hmm. he played his 200-foot game the hard out. And he looked like he was a football player, like a, like a linebacker, you know, getting ready to sack the running back. And to me, that kind of guy that sticks his stick out in, you know, the defensive zone or neutral zone or in enemy territory, you want that because defense creates offensive opportunities. Mm -hmm. No, it's a very good point. I mean, watching uh, and Joe, obviously, you pointed this out several times on social media, watching Mercer in the preseason. What was so impressive more than anything else is that he has tremendous stick handling ability. He has a unique way of being able to poke away the puck, go back to literally the last the last preseason game that I think Mercer played for playing the Rangers. You know, they blew him out seven to one last goal of the game. He gets a nice poke check away from Keandre Miller, goes down the other way, and he scores. And defense, like you said, defense turning into offense. And I think that's something that is going to be very vital for Mercer moving forward. So I guess my next question to you, Joe, is this. Where do you see Mercer fitting? Do you see him on a third line? Uh, It looks like he might be getting some power play time. What is his definitive role with uh, Lindy Ruff's squad? I believe he's going to be a staple on the third line. You know why? Because Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer have shown that they can be number one and number two centers, depending on how well they're playing that, that week that they're coming up. So if Hughes falters one week and he's not producing as much and Nico outperforms him, then you switch the the center with that other center. So there's still top six Mm -hmm. uh, Selkie trophy uh, candidates. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you look at the way uh, you have another center in uh, Dawson Mercer, the way he plays on, you know, a third line. You're making three lines a lot harder to play against in chess match. Yeah. So really, for if I'm an opposing team, if I'm the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. how in the fucking hell am <laughs> I going to outsmart the New Jersey Devils on opening night or yeah. any other night? Right. Now, one of the things is, if you can be the first line of defense, mm-hmm. you can thwart and slow down as many bad offensive opportunities mm-hmm. that could be in your own zone. Right. And you can win more chess matches mm-hmm. than you did last year. Right. So the Sasquatch squad in the back of the house mm-hmm. will have more time to set up and allow maybe Blackwood maybe Bernier, maybe Wedgwood, maybe mm-hmm. Schmid. So it allows them to buy more time. And this kind of goes on to where, you know, the old neutral zone trap come into place, but this mm-hmm. is the new Lindy Ruff style of defense. Right. That No, I think all that's very good. And we'll talk about the Sasquatch uh, uh, squad 
which is such a tongue twister, by the way, um, <laughs> in just a couple, in just a couple minutes, because I think a lot of people, um, I, I really want to talk about it because I think it's absolutely phenomenal that you came up with that. But I want to stick with the forwards a little bit longer because there's mm-hmm. is just a couple of other things that I wanted to point out. Uh, Jimmy VC, uh, you go back several years ago, Jimmy VC literally chose, you know, he had a choice between the Devils and the Rangers as to where he wanted to start his NHL career. He ended up going to the Rangers and it worked out at least early on, but ever since like his rookie year, he's just kind of been up and down. He's been with a couple teams. He's played in Buffalo he, uh, on, and he's played. He actually does have a relationship with Lindy Ruff. He played in Toronto for a little while, got waived, got picked up on Vancouver, played in Vancouver the rest of the year. And then he signs a PTO contract with the Devils um, this offseason. And rightfully so, he earned himself a contract. And the thing that I think for me personally, Joe, that stood out was that it wasn't a two-way contract. It was a one-way contract. It immediately showed that he definitely was going to make the roster and he was going to make, you know, obviously the devil's roster. He was going to make it within the organization one way or another. Um, what are the things that stood out to you the most about uh, Jimmy VC and what he can bring to the table with the devils this season? So one of the things is you, you got to look at the analytics side and you got to look at the eyeball test. So mm-hmm. let's start with the eyeball test. He has performed up and down, but he's done better under Lindy Ruff when he was with the Rangers. Mm-hmm. So if, Ranger fans remember, you know, Lindy Ruff is more insightful to certain players who are whether they're forwards or defenders. And, you know, VC is really good on the penalty kill. And when he has his mobility like he did, you know, in his early years with the Rangers and Harvard University, Mm -hmm. he can be a good special teams option, you know, killing off those penalties and creating offense. To me, yeah. he's like a younger Brian Gibbons, mm. maybe a little bit better. And mm. he adds That's that yeah. ability to convert on the odd man rushes when teams aren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Now, his his goals above replacement and expectation are actually above average. Now, really? I'd look for him to be maybe a third line, fourth line fixture who can absolutely benefit the doubles when they're down four to five five versus three V five, you know, type situations. Mm -hmm. Now on the offense side, now I come up with a model and I took, you know, the past couple seasons and I looked at the last year and you look at Jimmy VC. Now I'm just trying to look back at my model. He's basically going to be scoring similar numbers to Tatar in goals, which would be like 16 goals. But wow. I can see him maybe getting 25, 32 points if he can play well on a, the third or fourth line. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a pretty reasonable um thing because again, you know, we're obviously a lot deeper on the top six than we have been in years past. And I think that we're also just creating a lot more depth on the bottom six. And I think the way VC played in the preseason, he, he clearly came to New Jersey with a mission that he wanted to leave uh, with a contract. And he ended up succeeding in that and earning a place on this team. And, you know, people want to give VC crap for, Oh, he took Alexander Holt's spot on this roster. I mean, look, (laughs) say what you want about that. Uh, That's not VC's problem, nor is it Alexander Holt's problem. VC is a guy that's going to be a workman-like player 
on the bottom six, like Joe mentioned, that's going to put up some points here and there and obviously help out on the penalty kill. And that's something that obviously we do need help on from the forward group. And that's something that is going to be expected of him. Now, my last question to you, Joe, with regards to the forwards is this guy kind of stands out because I was talking to somebody on Twitter earlier this morning about him because this was another guy that people were saying, why did he make the roster and not, um, and not Holtz? And that is Andreas Janssen because Janssen got a lot of crap, including for myself from time to time last year with the lack of production that we were hoping we were going to get. I mean, I think people were expecting him to be a, a lot better than what he did. And granted, I think coming to a completely new team in the middle, you know, during a pandemic, and also he got COVID himself, one of the many players that got COVID. I just think he never got a fair shot last year. And now he gets more of a full opportunity, 82 games with a much better team, much more talented team uh, to play with. Um, I think he's going to do a lot better. What are your thoughts on Andreas Janssen? So first off, a lot of guys like Andreas Janssen pretty much fully vaccinated at this point. Mm-hmm. And you look at it this way, you know, he has one less thing to worry about and it, and it's, you know, taken care of and he can focus on, you know, working with guys, whether it's Yanni Kwokanen or maybe working with a Jack Hughes and maybe feeding off a Jack Hughes who's ready to pop at any given notice. Mm-hmm. And you have Igor Sharangovich who can really pop again. Mm-hmm. So he can ride the coattails but he's also a very smart player. Yeah. And I look at Andreas Janssen to score about eight to 12 goals. And now okay. if you take about half of the takeaways he got from last year, if you divide 24 divided by two, that's 12. Now 12. if you add that 12 to the 18 points, that's that would 30. be 30 points. Now that's a pretty productive third, fourth liner. So mm-hmm. I would like to think that he's in pretty good company given the fact that Mark Recchi is his uh, power play and offensive coach mm-hmm. and fans need to just chill out and let him do his thing. Right. And if he's not performing, you could get, you know, that guy sitting out another game, but he's a veteran at this point and he's going to do his thing and he's going to listen and he's going to perform. Mm-hmm. I think those are all very good points, Joe. I think, um, look, we have to remember, we got Andreas Janssen for, I don't want to say literally nothing, but it was Joey Anderson who I don't know if he's still with the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. If he is, I think he's probably with the Marlies, I think, at this point. I know he played a couple of games here and there when he, you know, when he got the opportunity in Toronto, but obviously the Devils took advantage of a, a cap strap um Maple Leafs team and we're able to get a guy like him and uh I'm hoping that Janssen can obviously have a bounce back here because they're you know playing on that third line if he ends up playing on the third line with a guy like Dawson Mercer and even maybe Jimmy VC, I think could actually be very beneficial and he doesn't have as much pressure on him as he did last year and I think that uh that's something to keep in mind so that's the forward group now let's shift to the defensive group and this is something that Joe really, really has enjoyed talking about whether it's on his podcast or you know, <laughs> writing about it. And the main thing that he brought up is a, is a very interesting title for the Devils defensive group, and that is the Sasquatch, Sasquatch Squad. So, Joe, talk to us about where that name came from and why do you decide to call this defensive group that way? Okay, first off, for any of you who know Jack Link's Beef Jerky, you see there's this big thing that looks like Chewbacca and a Wookiee. It's Sasquatch. 
Right. And anytime people who pick on a big, furry, feisty mother, any given moment <laughs> they want to, they're going to get the worst and the best de- beatdown that they're ever going to get. And they right. effing deserve to get it. And you know what? Anytime that people mess with the devil's big time defenders back in the early 90s, like a Stevens or a Danico or a Colin White or a Zhishtof Oliva who played forward but was an enforcer, you are getting a big Sasquatch of a beatdown. So over the years, you've seen Tom Fitzgerald add guys like Shakir Muhammadulin in the draft. Mm-hmm. He's coming up very soon. And He's just going to be part of that squad along with Ahochuk and Ball. And what do these guys have in common? They're big, feisty motherfuckers that can really absolutely destroy you. And if you want to pick on the Devils, go play the ice. Because these guys got really long arms. They can point Mm -hmm. the stick at your puck and -hmm. they will knock it loose. And they'll make your life a physical hell on the ice. And the Devils just need to be aggressive, but mm-hmm. a smart aggressive. And you're going to hear guys like Dougie Hamilton on the ice sometimes lay the body out. Now you got Ryan Graves. Right. He can play offense, but his big thing is laying the body out. And if right. you want to mess with someone and you think you're going to have a fun field day like you did last year against the Devils, good fucking luck. You got a team full of Sasquatches, just like a Christian Yarosh, a Slovak defenseman who is big, physical, who was paired with Kevin Ball in yeah. preseason. And it's only a matter of time when these guys gel. When they gel, yeah, this team could easily be in the top 10 in the goals allowed average mm-hmm. in the NHL. Don't be surprised, along with the goaltending they have, and don't be surprised with the four group that plays defense because they trust the Sasquatch squad. And you're going to be hearing that name a lot as the season goes along. And obviously I'm, I'm excited to see it. And, and you brought up a very good point. I mean, you look at, if you compare last year's defensive core to this year's defensive score, defensive core, it's night and day, not just from an, obviously an offensive perspective, but certainly from a defensive perspective a physicality, perspective and it's it's things like this that get me very excited to look at and believe that this team will not only be able to block a lot more shots and create a lot more havoc at the top of the blue line but certainly be able to be more physical with obviously a very tough metropolitan division which is arguably not only the toughest but certainly one of if not the most physical division in the entire national hockey league and like you said you got guys like dougie hamilton Ryan Graves, even Jonas Siegenthal is pretty big for the way that he plays the game. PK Subban and Mason Geertsen. And Mason Geertsen, who the Devils, you know, got off of waivers from the Rangers. And somebody that I think realistically is going to be here until Ty Smith, Damon Severson probably come back. And I think once they come back, you may see Geertsen uh, go down, but he may come out right away and be very, very productive. And he also can play forward as was proven. So this is a guy that can be a Swiss army knife type of player. Now, the one guy that stands out to me from this entire defensive core is Colton white. Um, Colt white has been a guy that has been in the devil's organization. I want to say for what, four or five years now, Joe, more or less, he's been in the organization for quite some time. Um, at least five times. 
Yeah. And he's been up and down so many times. There has been so many times where he's been called up. It almost seems like he became like that emergency defenseman. Anytime the Devils needed a guy to play defense for a game or two, he was the guy that literally got called up. And he ends up making the team out of training camp. And from a lot of what I heard from within the Devils organization is that White really came into camp on a mission to make this team. And he got a lot bigger during the offseason. He worked on his game and he earned the right to be here. What, what can Devils fans expect from a, I guess you could say, a new and improved Colton White? What I look forward to him is being someone who can be a third pairing defenseman who can hold his own zone and be able to quarterback, you know, the offense when he needs to, he doesn't need to have a whole lot of responsibilities, but his main responsibility is to get the puck out quicker and get the team up ice sooner. Now he's not going to light the lamp or anything, but I only expect him to get one goal and 10 points this year, but I see him being, you know, I need you in a pinch type guy, and he's going to help do all the small things right. Another week of the NFL season needs another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is pretty much a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that is not going to... And I definitely saw from Joe's article that was posted earlier this morning, kind of talking about the team. Cole White's going to be somebody that may not get a lot of points, but he certainly will be able to be productive in one way or another. Um, now, you talked about him a little bit before, but I want to, again, because this is another guy that I think Devils fans are not, they don't know a whole lot about because, you know, even when they traded for him, when they when they traded uh, Nick Merkley to San Jose, they got Christian Yaros in that deal. Can you talk to us a little bit more about Yaros and what uh, the type of player that he is, basically? Yaros, basically, if I can explain more uh, the way I project him, if based off his numbers from last last year, if he goes hitting the way he did, he could be on pace for an 82-game rate at 105 hits in a season. Mm-hmm. And he can block possibly 94 shots mm. on average in the year. So you're looking at a guy who's tall, around 6'3", 6'4", big physical Slovak defenseman, right-handed shot, who can lay the body out and take up lanes. And you know what? 
I know some people were very down on him because he's an AHL guy. So <laughs> what? He's an he's an upgrade over Connor Carrick. Who would you rather have, Yarosh or Carrick? Yarosh or yep. Carrick? I would yep. rather take Yarosh any day of the week. It's light and day. Right. Connor Carrick was just good enough to provide a little offense. This guy, however, if you look at Yarosh on the average, mm-hmm. he can score possibly one goal and 16 points. Right. So I really look at him as a better version of Colton White, but someone who can deliver a lot more in the physical way and the mm-hmm. defensive manner. So no, I mean, the, go ahead. So there, so there's a lot for people to look forward to in being able to clog up the, the, the shooting lanes. And that's obviously what we want. We want this team to do a better job of clogging up those lanes, not allowing rebound opportunities, you know, being able to block more shots because that's, those are all those, those are a bunch of things that is going to help this devil's team improve mightily when it comes to their defensive work. So yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how this all meshes with regard to the defensive core. Obviously the big thing is the pairing of Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves. And that'll be obviously very exciting to see how they perform once the season starts. So now let's go to the goaltending, Joe, because obviously this is a point of discussion. First of all, I want everybody to understand that Jonathan Bernier is not going to pull a Corey Crawford and retire before the season even starts. He's been dealing with a little bit of, um, you know, kinks here and there, and he's trying to get himself ready to go. And Lindy Ruff did say that he's going to be back for practice, I believe, on Wednesday or Thursday. So whatever the next practice is. So that's nothing to worry about with that. Um, The biggest thing that we learned over the last couple of days, Joe, is that Mackenzie Blackwood said he is leaning much more towards getting vaccinated, which is obviously Mm -hmm. a relief to a lot of Devils fans. Now, again... He may still not get it for whatever reasons, but it sounds like to me he's much more leaning towards getting vaccinated and and putting himself in the best position selflessly for the team. Um, What are your thoughts on Blackwood deciding to lean more towards getting vaccinated? Around this time before he does get it, and if he does get it and he's fully vaccinated by the time the team gets to Winnipeg, that would be wonderful because – the Devils won't have to miss out on 18 points possible on the table without Blackwood. Now I expect Blackwood to at least play 41 games minimal. Now possibly 50 games at at the most. I don't want to see him play 55 or 60 Mm -hmm. because you're kind of overdoing him. Yeah. But I do like the fact that you have, Jonathan Bernier on a moment's notice, yep. you know, who already has the pads on and he's a guy who dealt with a very shitty, atrocious Detroit Red Wings defense. <laughs> and it made the devil's defense look like a Sasquatch squad. Even last year, even last year, right. I tell you, I tell you getting 12 wins under a terrible, atrocious Detroit roster only means he's going to hit maybe 20 wins easily. I mean, that's really what we're hoping for. And I think that, and Joe, I know you would agree with me with this, with the, with the additions that we've made on defense, 
Uh, not only is it going to benefit Blackwood, but it's certainly going to benefit Jonathan Bernier because he's arguably playing with a much better team than he had in Detroit, a much better defense than he had in Detroit. Um, I also will say that I'm honestly satisfied with having Wedgwood as that third guy. Now, I did see that you asked Amanda Stein, uh, I want to say on Monday or a couple of days ago, you asked her if there's going to be a taxi squad this year. And she said that there was not, that the NHL was not going to do that, which I personally think they should have just kept it, especially with the fact that COVID is still very much uh, a big part of everything, and it's going to be a factor. We literally just got word today, as we're recording this on the 12th of October, that um, Colorado Avalanche star Nathan McKinnon has tested positive for Ooh. COVID-19 and will not be able to play in the team's season opener, which is obviously Ooh. very frustrating for the Colorado Ooh. Avalanche, not the way you want to start, and hopefully it's not, it's not going to be a lingering thing. But that's just another... That's another wake-up call to everybody to say, guys, this is still a factor. It's going to be a big factor, and we have to understand that. I think that's the way we got to look at it. But I'm hoping that maybe down the road this season, the NHL decides that, oh, we probably should have the taxi squad because it just made things easier. Um, but we shall see about that. But with regards to the goaltending, my last question about that, uh, Joe is talking about Blackwood just from a performance standpoint. What is Blackwood's ceiling this year as far as win total and just performance overall and what he could potentially do this year? I look at him between 25 to 33 wins. Okay. If he can perform very well on a mediocre team like he did last year mm -hmm. and he bounces back from COVID and is vaccinated, Look for him to to look him look for him to spike like Airbnb stock from 160 173. Okay. So just look at his market value, and it's only going to go upward, especially with the guys that you have on defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean those are very those are very good points. So I guess it would be safe to say, Joe, that uh, if you're a betting man, which obviously if you are, use our Use the promo code THPN on DraftKings. Uh, I guess, would it be safe to say that, that uh, people should start putting some money down on Blackwood and proving uh, his wins total this year? I think some people need to just, you know, do a little investigation themselves and do some smart wagering. And if you're feeling a little ballsy, you do a parlay. But I'm not going to tell you to parlay because I want you to. It's because you actually know what's going to possibly go on. It's all about the high-risk, high-reward situation. That's a good point. And sometimes I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just telling <laughs> you that from – if you look at last year's perspective, yeah. it's likely going to be better than a year before. It's a very good point. Very good point. And so there's a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of betting advice there from, the, from Jersey Joe, who's, uh, who's, who's, who knows what he's talking about. He definitely does. Now, the last thing – Joe, that I wanted to talk to you about is the coaching staff as a whole. Um, there have been there there has been criticism of the coaching staff, whether it's been rough, whether it's been recce, and when it's certainly been Elaine Nazardeen. Um, you you look at this coaching staff and you say to yourself, okay, they obviously need to have a system in place for the team that they have and to have it orchestrate the way it is. I feel personally the guy who's under the most pressure of all the coaches is actually Elaine Nazardine, considering the fact that he is in charge of the defense. Um, 
what are your expectations, not necessarily from Nazardine, but the entire coaching staff as a whole? Well, basically, I mean, this is Lindy Ruff's squad. And I look for him to making, you know, the internal changes with Tom Fitzgerald throughout mm-hmm. the season. If for some reason that the defense isn't performing, yeah, it's going to be Nazardine first. And if for some reason Mark Recchi isn't doing his job, he'll be on the chopping block. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone like uh, Sergey Breland gets called up mm-hmm. or someone else gets hired midseason to replace one of the two. But I, if I'm a betting man, it's going to be Elaine Nazardine at 67%. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's a um, that's a good way to look at it because you know Nazardine was definitely criticized wholeheartedly by all of us for the lack of you know defense. I mean, he it seemed like he was really struggling to do the job that he was put there to do, and I think that out of all the coaches, he's probably the one whose seat is the hottest. Um, Mm -hmm. I did see an article that was written by the score last week that was talking about coaches in the NHL as to where do they fit tier wise when it comes to seat is getting hot or whatever. And they had, they had Lindy Ruff as somebody that we all know is probably not going anywhere anytime soon. And that you have to kind of wait and see, especially with a lot of people look at last year and say that year really doesn't count as much. We have to see what happens in a full 82 game season with a, with this type of roster and kind of go from there. Do, do you kind of feel the same way about Lindy Ruff? Yeah. I mean, if you look at last year for every other NHL team, including the devils, it's not fair to really assess it based off a shortened season because mm-hmm. it's only over 50% of what they would have failed. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what the remainder would have been. And they were getting a little bit better at the end, but yeah. they were playing a lot of the same teams. So really, right. do you want to fault it on playing the same opponents all the time? Mm-hmm. Now, now that they're playing 31 other teams, mm-hmm. I would rather judge it off that. Now, if for some reason you look between American Thanksgiving and right. before the March trade deadline, if for some reason the Devils are outside of the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference by 10 points mm-hmm. or more, I look for a lot of firings. But I don't see that really happening this year because, you know, you signed Dougie Hamilton. You traded for Ryan Graves. You mm-hmm. traded to get Christian Yarosh. These are guys that – and you signed Tomas Tatar. So do you really want to blow up everything while you piece together uh, every other thing on the roster? Yeah. I mean, if you were to blow one thing up, you're just blowing up Elaine Nazardine's seat. Yeah. I think that's, I think those are very good points because look, this is not like, I would say this, first of all, Tom Fitzgerald wants this team to be playing meaningful games this season. Like once we get to March, even early April timeframe. And that basically means like competing for a playoff spot. If the devils, the only way I can see them making drastic changes is that if it's like what we saw two years ago, where there was so much hype, so much expectation, and it fell to, you know what, literally in the first game. And it just, we never, we never recovered from that. And it was just a horrible season from start to finish. 
Um, but I don't think that's going to happen because this team has been set up differently. See, I can understand the same type of hype and excitement that we got from two years ago, but this is not the same team that we had two years ago. This was not like quick fixes because we're pressured to pease our star player. This is everything has been calculated. Everything has been prepared for this moment. And now this team has naturally developed itself into a team that is no longer rebuilding and now looking to become a consistent playoff contender. And I think that's the way that we have to look at it because I think that's the most most important thing. But I think your assessment, Joe, is correct. I think at worst, probably one of these guys, uh, one of these assistant coaches gets booted. And it's probably leaning more towards Elaine Nazarjean just because of the fact that this defense has to improve very dramatically, statistically, analytically speaking. It just has to improve because otherwise they're going to go look for somebody who's going to be more, um, who's going to make this uh, better. Yeah, it's one of the things that, you know, come opening night, for any of those going on uh, Friday, which I will be, I'll be in section 14. For those of you looking for Jersey Joe, and you want to talk to me about what we talked about today on the pod, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to, uh, you know, talk to me or uh, Mr. Neil Villapiano himself. And one of the thing is that you got guys like Dougie Hamilton who are primed for about, 15 goals this year yeah. and possibly 63 to 70, 63 to 73 points. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're looking, we're looking at a, at worst, the team on defense mm-hmm. can score a minimal on average of 39 goals. Yeah. Now that's just the law of average. Mm-hmm. If you look at the fours that I did, Yep. In that article, that's a minimal of 268 goals on the forward group. Right. Now, that's barring any trades or any call-ups or anything like that. Right. So, for Devils fans, you, you look at that, you're scoring more than maybe three-plus goals on average a game mm-hmm. for the forwards. And, you know, this kind of production is good production. Yeah. And whenever a player isn't performing on offense – they're going to be performing defensively because the best way you're going to score is playing defense. Those are all very good points, Joe. And my last question to you, Joe, is is simply this. You look at the Devils, you look at what they were able to do this offseason, and you look at the potential that they might have. Most people, I think, have said that they have the Devils not only not making the playoffs, but finishing towards the bottom of the Metropolitan Division mainly due to the fact that because of how top-heavy this division is. Um, in your honest opinion, as obviously we could tell by uh, his reaction, what, uh, what he feels, give us your enthusiastic, passionate opinion as to where you see honestly and truly this Devils team finishing when this season is all said and done. I look for them to hit the, the fourth spot in the division. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Carolina has failed miserably on defense to address the defenseman that is now ours, Dougie right. Hamilton. And they spent money on Jesperi Kokaniemi. Yes, yeah. they, they got him, but he's not worth that kind of money. Right. You could have gotten Dougie Hamilton back. 
So I look for the, the, the Carolina Hurricanes to be nothing but a hurricane out to sea. <laughs> and all right. yes, Sveshnikov and all these other good players on Ford and Carolina can be scoring at will. But can the storm surge enough? I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. And I look for Carolina to be fifth. I look for Philadelphia to be sixth. Yeah. I look for the Rangers possibly to be maybe third. Right. And you look at the way you have the Capitals could be first and maybe you have the Islanders maybe teetering for second. But mm-hmm. if for some reason defensively they fall flat, yeah, you're 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 going to the bottom. And I don't care if you have the two best goalies in in the in the whole league. Mm-hmm. How in the hell are you going to sustain your goalies every day in and out with Chara and Green getting older and getting shot blocked and getting hurt? Maybe yep. they have COVID yep. in the middle of the season. And how is Pollock and Mayfield going to sustain something? So, yeah. and and towards the spit and chicklets, your predictions are way off, way <laughs> off. You're smoking something that I wouldn't touch. I mean, he might be smoking something that's at least uh, legal now in uh, in Jersey, Jersey, but uh, don't know if it's legal necessarily where he was coming from. But we'll see. So that is Joe's passionate uh, response to a lot of the doubters out there. And I think that all of us look at this season and say, we are excited, we're enthusiastic, we're optimistic, but we're also cautious because we know what has happened in the past before when we have expectations like this. But I think it's just important to understand that this team is a lot better, they're much more talented, and they're going to be able to have a lot more success than they've had in years past. And I think that that's something that we're all looking forward to seeing when this season starts well, at least for the Devils' perspective, on the 15th against the Chicago Blackhawks. Joe, as always, my friend, it is a pleasure to have you on. Um, did you have something else you wanted to add real quick? All right. So for those of you wondering, um, I have another article I'm working on, the upcoming 21-22 uh, Calder uh, Trophy candidates. So yes. I have a couple of Devils, a couple of Red Wings I have in there. Um, I also have been promoted to a staff writer over at overtime heroics hockey so congratulations um, i just had um a podcast earlier this mm-hmm. morning for those of you new uh i keep it under 30 minutes uh just me going off what i thought you know it's happy hockey miss it's a holiday here in north america it's the nhl um i want to be able to promote that you know on Nash against Nashville, the Devils have a special night for any persons of disabilities mm-hmm. um, to go to that game if you feel safe, or yeah. you know, reach out you know to local chapters about you know helping people like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are so many other promotion promotional nights yeah. that you know Devils fans and other fans that are becoming involved around the New Jersey Devils should you yep. know collaborate and network and you know you and i both been you know buddies over the past two seasons and uh going forward and you know 
you you got to get some friends to some of these games, yeah. even if it means getting over the uh, the stigma that is uh, COVID nineteen weary for some people. Mm-hmm. And if they are comfortable and they're ready, you know, take them to a game and you know show them what it's like to be not only a Devils fan but a New Jerseyan or someone in the area, and get them part of you know something that's up and coming. That was really well said, Joe. I, I'm with you 100%. Uh, I'm definitely, for me personally, I'm definitely going to be going to a bunch of games this year. I'm, I'm going to be getting some friends who have never even been to a hockey game, uh, you know, a chance to go to a game. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to meeting up with you and so many other Devils fans this season. Just the fact that we are able to have fans again and be there is going to be great. So, Joe, thank you so much again, as always, man, for coming on today. We really do appreciate it. Um, we will look forward to obviously having you on many more times because the audience really loves having you here and, uh, we'll look forward to talking more devil's hockey as the year goes on, but thank you so much for coming on today, man. Thank you so much. Let's go devils. Happy hockey miss. And just don't do anything stupid during COVID and be good to your fellow hockey friends. Amen to that.